We could be forgiven for taking a fall, because after 3,000 years of longing, it's snowing in Benidorm. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Zara Freeland, and this is Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome back for another week of filmic fun. Off Screen, welcome back, Zara. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And yourself? Any good films uh, uh, this week? I've, I've had I've had some fun. I've had some cinematic fun this week. I'm not going to lie. Do you know what else though? I, uh, as, as you know, uh, from you know, just just our general social interactions during the week, our general social feed interactions, uh, I, I got to get all my stuff out of storage uh, this week. <laughs> yes. Finally, after all these years, and I'm finding all sorts of really cool film merchandise that I forgot I even owned, which is <laughs> so great. And but literally, I'm actually staring at one right now. I've got this dude. You're embarrassing in front of the Wizards plaque from the Infinity War, and this. this this isn't even like official merch. <laughs> Kelly Colson made this for me when Infinity War was out and she was getting paper cutting. And I think it's awesome. I still have this. I love it. Yeah, that's um, cool. Yeah, but alas, let's, let's talk about something that's maybe not going to be quite as beloved for our, mm. uh, for our first film of this week then. So new releases, and I know you've seen this one. And uh, it's, uh, it's it snows in Benidorm, starring Timothy Spall, which despite that title and the fact that it stars Timothy Spall, inexplicably is not a comedy. So do you want to tackle this one? I mean, how did you get on with this one? <laughs> how do I tackle this one? Um, okay, well, it's who is it directed by? It's, um, what's her name? Is it, Isabel uh, is Croquette? Isabel... I'm going to say... Yeah. Quasé. Let's split the difference at Quasé. Quasé, yeah. It's English, but it's set in Spain. Most of it, anyway. And yes, it's a, it stars Timothy Spall, Sarita Chowdhury, Pedro Casablanca, and a few others I've never heard of. Anyway, um, it all starts with Timothy Spall. He's a he's um what is it a bank manager with a with a heart, hmm. but then he finds himself very much uh, forced into early retirement because of that heart, and yep. he decides to. Uh, go over to Spain to see his long-lost brother who he hasn't seen in 10 years. Yeah, it just seemingly his brother's just not really left him the most recent of current addresses and appears to have up and vanished. And <laughs> as well as just going on that soul-searching sort of, I'll go to Spain and find myself thing, there is also, of course, as you say, that, uh, that, 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 bro- that missing brother element as well as you can hear here. The weather is a way to feel there's always something happening. And if there isn't, there's always a promise. I want to see your ugly face, brother. Where is Daniel? Mr. Riven. Riven. Where the hell have you come from? Enjoy life, Peter. That's what we all want. What do you know about Daniel? I would like to report the disappearance of my brother, please. You're something Daniel wasn't. Innocent. So, Sarita Chowdhury, you can hear there on the end as well. I think she's got quite a big fan base thanks to uh, Homeland, I think, in mm-hmm. recent years as well. She played, uh, is it Saul's partner, Mandy Patinkin's character? Um, now, first of all, this is, it's a bit more lifeless than that trailer would have you believe. <laughs> I, think, I think you'd probably agree with me on that. It's, it's, a, it's a lot more soft. Wholeheartedly. Scoop. Yeah. Well, I, I did want to fall asleep at certain parts, but not just because it was a bit dull, but for the fact that it has no idea what, what it wants to be. 
it, it does. It, it's not. It just can't seem to land on what element it particularly wants to go with. And the resulting yeah. film, because you know, you've got those two disparate plots. I mean, there's the finding himself slash kind of love story with Sarita Chowdhury's character between you know, her and uh, Timothy Spall. Um, and you've also got the missing brother story. And it never really commits to either. And what you wind up with is a tonal hodgepodge, which at the same time is still kind of so low energy that it feels like you've turned up for two really interesting desserts and then been served a meringue nest. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it kind of, <laughs> yeah. kind of feels like that. It's, I, want, I wanted a rice pudding, I was given a meringue nest. Yeah, but yeah, it, start, it starts off completely throwing you for a loop because you think it's going to be a social injustice kind of film because I knew nothing about this going in and I was like, oh, this is where it's going to go. Oh, no, it's not. What? <laughs> it's like I have yeah. to, it confused the hell out of me. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. As you say, like what you said about like he has a heart, there's something of that sort of societal justice, kind of an almost like a like soft scoop Daniel Blake kind of element going yeah. in there at the beginning because it's, you know, it's, it's talking about how, the, you know, the banks are against the little guy, you know, the times we live in, the cost of living. He's like, like oh, okay, so our time, this is going to go somewhere. Then boom, we're on to, okay, here's the two stories we're going to do now. Forget that other one. Nah, that's too, that's too exciting for this. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the end of it, so, I did feel like taking a gun to my head. I was like, I just don't, I can't. Why am I watching these films? <laughs> kind of a slog, isn't it? And it's, it's it's not exactly like, it didn't feel like a short one either, because it's, it's an hour 57. No. Yeah, it's an hour mm. 57, and it feels like a good two and a half, to be really honest. I thought it was three at one point. <laughs> did you feel three? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's move on to uh, speaking of the passage of time. Let's move on to uh, the the most fittingly titled of all releases out this week, and uh, this is Three Thousand Years of Longing, the new film from George Miller, which fills me with glee to say because whenever <laughs> it's the new film by George Miller, you never know what you're going to get. You never know. You never know if you're getting Beyond Thunderdome. You never know if you're getting Happy Feet. And you never know if you're getting Fury Road. You know what I mean? He, he's going to yeah. keep you guessing. You never know if you're going to get Babe Pig in the City. But uh, <laughs> weird thing. Weird, weird, weird guy. I love him to death. Anyway. Well, the trailer looks completely crazy. Did that, did that come off in the film? Right, so that's the weird thing. The imagery, the crazy imagery of the trailer is in mm. the film, but the actual film itself is a lot more narratively straightforward than the marketing would suggest. So, uh, this is an adaptation of a novel written for the screen by George Miller, directed by George Miller, starring Tilda Swinton, starring Idris Elba. I'm trying to think who else sort of name is in this. Really, it's only the two of them. They are the main talent for this. And uh, the story is, she is the uh, the British narratologist, I think her name is, who narrates the story. Her name is Alith Althea? Alithea? Alithea. Sorry, I was written down here. Alithea. I think you hear it in the clip in a moment. Anyway. <laughs> and she is the British narratologist who narrates the story, has a very pious view of the world, a very sceptical, very matter-of-fact view of the world. And she she happens upon... A magic, a magic bottle in an Istanbul bazaar that when she rubs the... She's washing it and cleaning it in her hotel sink that night, happens to unleash a genie, a djinn, played by Idris Elba. Only this is, like, closer to the pure mythology version of the djinn kind of an idea. Yeah. Uh, he has been enslaved 
in this bottle for 3,000 years. He's been let out a few times along the way. And the idea is, whenever he's let out, all he needs to do is get someone to you know, grant to, to make three wishes. One of them has to be their heart's desire, and only when that is fulfilled can he be freed. And something has conned him out of this every single time. It's always gone horribly wrong. And we get, over the course of one night, largely one night in their hotel, and then a sort of epilogue afterwards, uh, we get an exploration of his story in chronological order and her story in chronological order but obviously given her age and his this they have to take place relatively far far apart anyway have a snippet um, of Tilda Swinton effectively triggering the genie I cannot for the life of me summon up one eligible wish and you're asking me for three is there any life in you are you even alive you know in some cultures absence of desire means in life then you are a pious fool if I'm content, why tempt fate? And you're a coward. Don't goad me. There is no human, no angel, no djinn that wouldn't grasp at the chance to fulfill their deepest longings, and I am saddled with the one who claims to want nothing at all. Alethea Bini, you are a liar. You know I am beginning to wish we'd never met. No, no, don't say that! You know, this is the first time I'm really hearing it, and I'm not entirely unsure if Idris Elba's version of a genie isn't meant to be Welsh. But uh... <laughs> yeah, I was getting hints of Welsh there, actually. What's he trying to be? No matter how good looking he is, he isn't that great an art actor, to be honest. <laughs> first of all, he's quite good fun here. He, he commits to the bit now. To be fair, with with Idris Elba, you, you, he, you can tell when he's phoning it in. And this is not one of those times he is committing to the bits here, which is, is good. He's, he's very embedded within this. And it shows he has great chemistry with Tilda Swinton. And it's it's a lot of that sort of effortless, easy chemistry that Idris Elba has with a lot of his co-stars. It's kind of funny to say a week after the release of Beast, a movie in which he famously <laughs> did not, you know, got kicked off his own daughter for lacking chemistry with him. Um, <laughs> you know, so, 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 say what you will of that. Uh, good fun. This is really good. It's nothing narratively, you know, but, you know, new. Like you've seen versions of this, like I say, adaptation of a novel. It, it, it is sort of an update on the classic uh, kind of, you know, the genie, the three wishes kind of, kind of, kind of story. Um, <laughs> I will say, I came out of this. My first immediate thought, as I think I WhatsApped you, was this is George Miller's version of Bernard and the Genie from 1993. Only his version. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, that that would be a very apt way to describe this. I had a great time with it. It's wacky and fun. It's like you pointed out, it's inventive visuals. It is more visually yeah. inventive than it is narratively. It's got that going for it. And George Miller's just having a good time on this stylistically. You know, there's some choices here and there. That you're like, what kind of weird person would choose to put that in? The answer is George Miller every time. So <laughs> it's called 3,000 Years of Longing. It's it, Imagine, if you will, a better version of Only Lovers Left Alive. Only okay. instead of vampires... Genie, even you've even got Tilda Swinton in there. Just go with that. Yeah, that's three thousand years of longing. That's in cinemas from today. Welcome back for another round of new release fun here on Off Screen. And well, Zara, you know I was looking forward to this one, and uh, you you know the time I had watching it, which I can only describe as. 
armchair gripping terror at its <laughs> finest. Um, so this week I had the pleasure of seeing Fall, which is in cinemas from today. is uh, distributed by uh, I think it's one distributed by Lionsgate, isn't it? Fall, Fall Lionsgate one. I think. I have and, no idea. I know nothing about this film. <laughs> right. So this stars uh, Grace Caroline Curry, better known as the uh, the elder sister from Shazam. It's going to be interesting mm-hmm. in, the, in the new movie because I think she's the only one of the uh, the teen characters who Shazams into herself as an adult now. I think it's something to do with her going off to college. Um, she stars as Becky. Uh, Becky is a uh, a young woman kind of into climbing. She's very into climbing. She goes climbing with her her hunky, almost too good to be true, young buff stud of her husband at the beginning of the movie. And they go with the, their mutual friend uh, Hunter. Her name is Hunter. And uh, well, wouldn't you know it? Hunky husband after a tragic accident falls to his death. Flash forward a year, and uh, well, Becky's dad who's played in what was clearly a weekend gig, like a weekend, can you fly? You're in, you're in Vancouver anyway, Jeff. Can you do it? Gig for Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Well, Becky's dad, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, turns up and says, you know what? It's been a year. You need to get over it. That's not healthy. Grieving. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> and never mind that this is literally like a day before, you know, like the first year anniversary. It's not, this guy's not even been dead a year and dad's showing up like, come on suck it up you know gets to the one year anniversary and and hunter shows up as well and you know what she says she says do you know what you need to get over this do you know what he'd want you to do he'd want you to go climbing that's what the guy who died climbing would want you to do he'd want you to go climbing in his memory (laughs) so there's a 2000 foot derelict television antenna i'm not even making this up (laughs) There is a 2,000-foot derelict television broadcast antenna about four hours down the road. It's only got one ladder that goes up it. Let's go climb it and take some selfies. And we'll scatter his ashes while we're up there. It's what he would have wanted. Only, wouldn't you know it, it, it's almost like karma, because it's like a year after, you know, someone died climbing. Mm -hmm. The ladder gives way, and they're stuck up there. Oh, Whatever they're gonna do. Now remember, this clip is this is this is as they're still climbing, like before everything hits the fan, right? This is this is like near okay. two thousand feet in the air. Remember, only look up. What the hell are we doing? Hey! Stop overthinking! How? I don't know. Concentrate on something else, like sing a a nursery rhyme or some Okay. Okay. Ring around the Pocket full of posies. Ashes, ashes. We all fall down. Down. <laughs> I wanted to pick that one. <laughs> yeah, concentrate on something else, you know. Uh, like your dead hubby who's not been gone a year yet. You know, that that something like that. I don't know. Just spitballing anything. 
Right. This this movie, uh, by the way, crazy. mental health practitioner's worst nightmare. It's got to be because nobody <laughs> in this movie is is looking out for anyone like this. These, these are like clearly all the worst human beings who've ever lived. But the movie's really good fun. Oh my god, it's terrifying. It's right, first of all, it's, it's directed by Scott Mann. Now Scott Mann directed the tournament in two thousand nine. Did you ever see the tournament? No, I didn't. This was like a, a kill or be killed last man standing battle royale between mercenaries that starred Robert Carlyle as a priest. It was awesome. And you know what? He's not skipped to me. I'd not really thought of anything that Scott Mann had done, like offhand, in all the years since. I saw this, like, Scott Mann from the tournament. And yeah. It's it's inve- like the way that this has been shot. Because obviously they have to use a lot of drone footage. Like she literally takes a drone up in in a backpack with her kind of thing. Because like they're Instagram influencers and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a paint by numbers script that if you apply any kind of logic to it, as I have been comically doing for the last you know five minutes, uh, clearly shows that these are just all the worst people, and every single one of them deserve to be stuck up the top of the two thousand foot high. Bro, I'd have sh- I'd have shipped dad up there as well. He dad deserved. <laughs> Up there as well in my book, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've got a question actually. I've got a question. It's like, is the whole film of the well, ninety percent of the film of them climbing up this TV mast? But it, it's kind of like the shallows, or uh, a better example would be: right. Did you ever see Frozen, where they were on the ski lift? And that was the one that came out confusingly, yes. I think, a couple of years before the Disney one. They're on the ski lift and they get stuck halfway. The wolves are underneath them. It's kind of like that. Yeah. You get like the first act where you get all the character drama and the heat on melodramatic backstory, the dialogue like, look, kiddo, it's been a year. It's time to move on. Maybe, uh, no, dialogue yeah. like that. You know, all that yeah. kind of like, yeah. Like, we've got, Jeff, we've got Jeffrey Dean Morgan for six hours between seasons of whatever streaming <laughs> badass show he's doing this week. You know, let's just use him for this. He's in Vancouver anyway. Look, we've got the back alley. Shoot him in that. We can make it a bar. Um, it's one of those. Heat on Melodrama for the first, uh, for the first act. But then you get the sort of setup out of the way, the sort of, you know, we're stuck up here thing for like the end of the first act. And you've got, you know, the two second and third act. That's the movie. This is not like Beast, where it's the yeah. first two acts of needless melodrama, and then we'll give you the concept for maybe 25 minutes as the final act. Oh, no. No, no, they, they commit to this. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. I could have thrown up. It was vertigo-inducing. <laughs> it was, I, was, I was on the verge of a panic attack all the way through this. I can only imagine the only reason this wasn't in IMAX was probably for health reasons. Like, it mm. might actually... People might have died if they had seen this in an IMAX screen. It, oh, well, I'm so awesome. glad I, ref- I uh, missed, missed that one then. I was like, I wouldn't remember- have survived. <laughs> You remember when I sat you in front of my new TV and you commented that it was like having a... a, a, a well, you said it was like having the TV wrapped around your head. Um, yeah. If I put that... If I put this movie on for you on that TV and that experience, this might kill you. It would, it would, it would, be, like, it would be like the world's most terrifying rollercoaster. I had such a ride with this. Uh, it's called Fall. Uh, Scott Mann, director of the tournament. Shout out, Mr. Mann. Uh, loved this. Just 
check this out. If you want just an absolute terrifying, perfect date movie. Oh my God, perfect date movie. Have a ride <laughs> together. Oh, good God. But just a wild ride at the pictures this weekend. Fall. Um, one that I don't think is quite as much of a ride. We've only got two minutes, really, to get through this one. I know you've seen this. It's The Forgiven. This is the one that's on buses this weekend, but we'd heard nothing about otherwise. Do you want to tell us real quick? Because like, I kind of forget. This is the hit and run one, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, this is, um, uh, who's it directed by? John Michael McDonough. Um, McDonough's the, uh, the other Val- one. He's, he's the brother of the guy who did uh, Three Billboards, isn't he? He's the brother of Martin McDonough. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it it starts. It's got it's got quite a few stars in there. We have got Jessica Chastain, Ralph Fiennes, mm-hmm. Matt Smith is in there, Caleb oh, yeah. Landry Jones as well, um, and they're all a bunch of you know upper class rich Brits, aren't they? Rich, rich, rich Brits in the middle of Casablanca having a, a one of their debaucherous parties. <laughs> um, and Ralph Fiennes is married to Jessica Chastain. He's a doctor. She's a failed author. Um, and on the way to the party, they, some young kid who's trying to sell them a fossil walks out in front of their car. He kills them. And then it's spent basically of them not really knowing what to do with the body. They take it to the party. Um, then they eventually report it to the police. The, the guys, the kids let's just, let's, just, let's just rephrase that. When you say they take the body to the party, I don't mean like they walk in with them slapped <laughs> over their shoulders. Like, hey, lads, we brought the entertainment. <laughs> yeah, like, nah, not quite like that. Take them to the resort. I think the resort, the compound. <laughs> <laughs> the party <laughs> and just discreetly sneak him in. Not like they just walk into the like we brought tonight. You know, we 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 needed something to bring. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, exactly what it's, I meant. <laughs> it's, it's about the it's about the fallout, isn't it? It's about the family of yes. the, of the victim and, and him getting his his recompense. As you'll hear in the clip. How did it happen? You should tell me before we tell the police. Get everything ironed out. We were bowling along looking for the sign for Asna. And there was a lot of sand blown across the road. I couldn't see. He just stepped out in front of us like he didn't understand the speed of a car. The fact is, we hit him, we hit him, and we killed him. Well, the main thing is to come clean, cooperate with the police, and seem overwhelmingly contrite. We can do that, can't we? Well, I just found this really, really quite tedious I mean all we seem to get is Jessica Chastain is basically playing around while her husband's you know trying to atone for his <laughs> killing his kid I'm like seriously and it goes on forever it's like it just gets stretched and stretched and stretched it's like I'll just seriously just kill him already <laughs> it is one of those films it does feel like uh, an almost paint by numbers attempt yes. to cobble together to cobble together you know a quote unquote for the adults but really it's, mm. it's just one of those for the adults but it's actually for the Guardian reader let's be really honest it's one of those <laughs> for audiences who really loved that adaptation of John le Carre's The Constant Gardener you know things things like that um, it, it's it, funny it you say The Guardian actually because Matt Smith mentions a part about, oh, I'm so glad it wasn't someone from The Guardian. It was something about a report, uh, an article. <laughs> that just made me think of that. <laughs> it's true. And the, the, the weird thing as well is that um, 
It, it reminded me of all things of the two faces of January from like 10 mm. years ago with uh, Viggo Mortensen, yes. and, which seemed like another wasted opportunity for, look, we've got mm. some stars, we've got a nice exotic foreign account, a good old fashioned dramatic thriller, let's go for it. And then they just labor the point. And you're thinking, I, I feel like I'd really rather much rather more watch a, a, a more streamlined version of this that has some actual thrills. This just feels too subdued. It's one of those films as well that's like rated 18 to seem scintillating. <laughs> and you get into it and it's just like, oh, here's Jessica Chastain being like flirty with two dudes at the same time. And then in one scene, it's implied that she might enjoy rough sex. <laughs> While someone's watching. Well, yeah, and you're like, what what kind of vanilla ass people are rating these movies now? Like <laughs> God damn. Anyway, so uh, other than that, you know, Ray finds the performances actually are pretty good in it. Like Matt Smith, yeah. do no wrong for me right now. Like he is killing. Matt Smith's having a ball right now. He's just showing up and just snaking his way through everything. I'm Matt Smith. I'm awesome. <laughs> I love him. Oh God, a game a Game of Thrones thing he's in. Just pour that in me. He is kick ass in that. Matt Smith for the win. However, the forgiven, most decidedly not. Welcome back, and it's time for some freeview fun off screen. So, onto the couch, get the telly on, old school freeview time. And you know what? Tonight on BBC Two, it's it's a you must enjoy this as well. So, this has got to be like a universally loved movie by now. It's of course 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. How do you yes. feel about the first Guardians? I thought it was brilliant at the time. Um, <laughs> at just, the time. At the time, it was just so vibrant, and there's lots of fun about it. James Gunn brings the humour once again. Well, that, I mean, to a lot of people, for the first time with Guardians mm. of the Galaxy, I don't think many people really knew who James Gunn was back in 2014. I think, didn't you and I cover this press conference together? I think in yeah. what, in about was it 2014, 2015, because Chris Pratt. Yeah. And, I remember Vin Diesel didn't make it. And yeah, it was a whole thing. Um, Vin, Vin Diesel literally got stuck in traffic, we were told. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and no Bradley Cooper. But you know what? The ones who did show up, including Dave Bautista, Chris Pratt, they were absolute darlings. And I remember they Maria were. Duarte fell head over heels in love with James Gunn, which is <laughs> not a sentence. I, I mean, actually fell, fell head over heels in love with the man, James Gunn. But yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, it's a swashbuckling, space-romping spectacular. Uh, meet the band of outlaws who come together as the unlikely, you know, space-adventuring family that are the Guardians of the Galaxy. Have a little listen as they face oblivion for what will be the first of many, many times. Uh, tonight, uh, BBC Two, 10.40pm. It's a great one to sort of fall asleep with. It's a good old-fashioned intergalactic adventure. I have a plan. You've got a plan. Yes. I don't even believe you have a plan. I have part of a plan. What percentage of a plan do you have? I don't know. 12%. 12%? <laughs> That's a fake laugh. It's real. Totally fake. That is the most real, authentic, hysterical laugh of my entire life because that is not a plan. It's barely a concept. You're taking their side? I am Groot. So what? It's better than 11%. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Thank you, Groot. Thank you. Next up, we have, what is it? It's The Martian on uh, uh, 
on four at 10 p.m. on Saturday night. And this is one of my favourite films. It's it's Ridley Scott's um, space adventure, basically. We have Ma- well, Ma- it is space less adventure. adventure and more tragic tale of despair, isn't it? Matt Damon goes on an adventure trying to stay alive. <laughs> It's very true, isn't it? It's uh, it's kind of the culmination to that question of when will America stop trying to have to rescue uh, Matt Damon? <laughs> it's one of those things. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, when was this? Was twenty fifteen? I think twenty fifteen. The Marsh. Yes, twenty fifteen. Yeah. Twenty fifteen. Hell of a soundtrack. Uh, hell of a funny yes. script. Hell of a cast. And yeah. just a very slick, sexy, cool movie, isn't it? The Marsh. It really a, is. I love this a, film. Very sleek vision of NASA, isn't it? Especially like I think we yeah. need that. This I think it's on this week because in fact it might be a bit insensitive to put the Martian on this week when considering the time of recording we had to halt the Artemis launch the other day because something went wrong. So you know, read mm-hmm. the room there. You know, Channel Four programmers <laughs> maybe. Um, <laughs> but keeping with the uh, out of this world sci-fi themes of the week, Sunday, and I don't remember this being on terrestrial before so i'm not sure if this is a premiere but perfect movie to watch with the family 7 30 sunday night on bbc2 mm-hmm. it's uh, steven spielberg's 2018 adaptation of ernest klein's ready player one this was a much hyped thing i, I know we saw this together i believe didn't we the imax the yes, fi yeah. imax all those years ago um the virtual reality romp in which you know it's, it's basically effectively kind of spartacus with virtual reality isn't it <laughs> yeah, basically. And there's a lot of nostalgia. It's just everything is just thrown in the pot. <laughs> yeah, and then some. I mean, I, I'm amazed there was anything left over to actually make a sequel novel to. I mean, we, we were talking like, I don't think that, that sequel's ever getting adapted. No one yeah. needs Ready Player Two. But uh, Ready no. Player One, I thought, had some very cool visual trickery in it. Uh, is it uh, Ty Sheridan? Uh, Ty Sheridan, yes. I think, is... Uh, as as the the young boy, like I say, Spartacus in virtual reality against the evil corporation, standing in for the emperor, obviously, and uh, we've got all those brands in between. It is literally anybody's game, as the title suggests. <laughs> this is the Oasis, a whole virtual universe. You can do anything. We can go anywhere. Be anyone. Tall, beautiful, scary, a different sex, different species. The limits are your own imagination. Oh, yeah. Wow, so much slower here. You forget what it's like to be outside. I really enjoyed this. This is good fun, actually. But like I say, I think, don't think it resonates. It, it's one of those that made like money, but not too much money. It kind of was regarded as fine. But uh, the whole Shining sequence, I thought, was just spectacularly realised. And then had its thunder stolen by there being an actual Shining sequel, like a year <laughs> yeah. later. So, you yeah. know, there's that going for it. Uh, speaking of having your thunder stolen, I mean, this one kind of just came and went. Uh, Jacques Audiard's, like, forgotten Western, the forgotten would-be Oscar contender for that year. I forget. Was this 2018 as well? Uh, it's The Sisters Brothers, uh, starring uh, John C. Riley and uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I had almost forgotten this existed until, by chance, the other day, I spotted the award screener disc on my shelf. <laughs> so okay. I, I literally... Because it, it's really only remembered, like, in its Oscar capacity, they thought this was going to be like an acclaimed, uh, you know, awards baby. It, it wasn't, but I remember this being pretty good. They were, it was the Western tale. They were the two uh, gunslingers um, in in the nineteenth century during the gold rush. 
Yeah, yeah. Don't forget, it was Jake Gyllenhaal and um, Joaquin Phoenix were the brothers. And there was Riz Ahmed in there as well. There was, yes. Yeah. I actually really yeah. didn't like this. <laughs> Did you not like this one? I found this tediously boring. Let's talk about one that's, that's on on Tuesday. No, no, I didn't like this when it came out, but I caught a bit of this recently, and I was fascinated by it for all the wrong reasons. And I actually think it's worth <laughs> revisiting this movie because it has been 13 years since this film was released, and oh my god, is it problematic! Oh my god. <laughs> Just so I am talking about The Ugly Truth, which is on Tuesday night, 11.15 on Great Movies. This stars Gerard Butler and Catherine Heigl. This is one of the famed white posters leaning, the white background leaning <laughs> posters. You know that every rom-com had to have at a certain point. Jerry Butts plays an American for this one, so he's doing his American accent. You know that one. Um, I tried to come up with a clip for this and I just couldn't find one that I would in good conscience play <laughs> genuinely good god I mean I he's know he's a this bit of a the, douche yeah I know this was the heyday of Neil Strauss and everything believe me but no no it, it's worth watching yeah. now because it, it's hilarious it, 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 I didn't think it was particularly funny when it came out I think it's hilarious now um, it's entertaining yeah. in a way that it never was when it came out Check this one out. The Ugly Truth, 11.15, Tuesday night on Great Movies. It's, it's it's really wild. It's Gerard Butler as the ladies' man who has to effectively Pygmalion his, you know, stiff, you know, uppity lady, lady producer boss played by Catherine Heigl. Imagine where this is going to go. And if I tell you that there is a sequence involving a remote-controlled sex toy... That again just got more problematic in 13 <laughs> years since. Wow. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's move on then to Wednesday. BBC One 11:30, and uh, shout out to the director of this, Sophia Coppola, who turned up on this week's episode of What We Do in the Shadows for a brilliant, brilliant visual gag, a sense of humour I honestly didn't know she had. Um, the Bling Ring. <laughs> Wednesday night, 11.30 on BBC One. Uh, most remembered, I think, for uh, starring Emma Watson, wasn't it, I think, this one? Yeah, I think so. I, I actually never watched this. It's just the whole title put mm. me off. I was just like... Well, <laughs> no, was, I This was, like, recent history. That was the thing that fascinated me about this. This was quite recent history, because one of its victims, one of the victims of the real crime, was Paris Hilton, I believe. And yeah. they were the party girl. They were the party girls turned heist artists, mm. effectively. And it was, it, was, it was around that Paris Hilton sort of culture and era. Um, I believe she cameos in it or something. But uh, I remember this, this actually being better than I expected to be, not brilliant. But it's an interest, just a fascinating story. And I think if you're kind of sort of our age bracket, it's fascinating to go back and see this now. Um, another one that, again, this is kind of a curio, um, largely because they kind of cancelled it out five minutes after they made it, was Blumhouse's 2020 mm. adaptation, reimagining, let's call it, yes. of Fantasy Island, which took mm. what if the 70s TV show Fantasy island in which random visitors turn up to an island one lucky winner turns up to an, an, an island once a week and ricardo montalban <laughs> in a white suit grants them whatever their heart desires and that's the show what if that but a horror movie because blumhouse um the result is kind of like this and you know what decent fun good evening i am mr rourke the ambassador to your deepest desires let me officially welcome you to 
Fantasy Island. We were all just discussing how this works exactly. Ah, uh, you will know soon enough, and I promise you will not be disappointed. The island has two rules. There is only one fantasy per guest, and two, you must see your fantasy through to its natural conclusion, no matter what. Well, why wouldn't we? Because fantasies rarely play out as you or I might expect, but they always play out exactly as they should. Not even you know how they're going to go? Only the island knows. I am, but it's humble story. So yeah, this this kind of got out, kind of undone by the the rebooted TV show Fantasy Island that came out literally like a month or two later, starring a completely different and and different gendered cast member as well as Mr. Rourke. I think then reimagined as Ms. Rourke, and I think played by Rosalind Sanchez from Rush Hour Two. Um, I've not watched any of it. I look forward to it. But this stars Maggie Q, uh, Michael Pena as Mr. Rourke, uh, Jimmy Yang is in this, which always fills me with joy. Um, I, I, I thought this was a good time. It is, you know, a cheap and cheerful Blumhouse sort of slasher movie, but with a with a sort of brand associated with it. I think the result is pretty fun. So that's uh, Blumhouse's Fantasy Island, which is on Thursday night, ten past eleven on Film Four. Tight and tidy, in and out, hundred minute job, and just a good time. Welcome back for one last ride off screen. And, well, I'm not going to lie, we, we kind of had to really strive for this segment because, well, the first of the month falls on a Thursday. And the problem is <laughs> that streaming platforms tend to dump all of their back catalogue material out on the first of the month. So yeah. we're going we're gonna to have to cheat a little. I'm gonna, I've, I've picked a, a few, actually, that are on free V that I think are worth came out yesterday so it came out on thursday and uh, you can now stream on freebie through like amazon prime or prime video whatever they're calling it now i think they want to call it prime video so it has a less association prime video. Yes. which is strange <laughs> okay it's like saying okay we're gonna call hbo max something else because we don't want it associated with hbo but yeah. uh, right, so over on freebie uh, freebie freebie this week uh, you can now watch, and I think this is this is quite a big deal for streaming. 1917, which mm-hmm. was you know quite a novel and technical achievement. I mean, this was up for Best Picture. It stood a very very good chance of winning, if you remember, until Parasite came in out of nowhere, and which stood a very good chance of winning until Parasite swooped out of nowhere and turned out mm-hmm. to be like the first movie ever to win foreign language and Best Picture, which. I don't think even I had money on, to be really honest. I called it, I, I called it but I bet on 1917. Like, yeah. I bet William Hill on, 19, on 1917. Anyway, the best picture winner that never was, the, the quote-unquote single-shot World War One journey that is 1917. I'm not even going to tell you the plot, because I kind of feel like the clip with the great Colt does it all for us, yeah. The second are due to attack the line shortly after dawn tomorrow. They have no idea what they're in for. And we can't warn them. As a parting gift, the enemy cut all our telephone lines. Your orders are to get to the second at Kwasi Wood, one mile southeast of the town of Akust. Deliver this to Colonel Mackenzie. It is a direct order to call off tomorrow morning's attack. If you don't, it will be a massacre. We will lose two battalions. 1,600 men, your brother among them. 
You think you can get there in time? Yes, sir. Did you enjoy this one? I did. And, then, you know, Sam Mendes has actually pulled off a great feat with this, making it look like that the whole film is shot with just one one long shot. Well, I think that, for me, that was a big, a big achievement. And it made it a lot more interesting for me as well. You think so? Did you, did you, because I know you learned video editing heavily last year. So did you, when, yes. you, when you were doing that, did you, did you learn the tricks? How they, how they, how they, <laughs> you know, how yeah. they hide the transitions? It's quite clever. It's one of those things like you can have, there, there is, there is a documentary to be made that is the same length as the movie about how they made mm-hmm. the movie. Because <laughs> it's a fascinating <laughs> Yeah, story. exactly. Um, and that's the thing. The movie is very boilerplate, but because of the way that it is produced, the way mm. that it's shot, and the way that it's, it's delivered, the experience of it, it's kind of like the movie Gravity. It doesn't need to be a revelatory movie because you're there for the ride and the experience as much as... And as far as rides that transition from the big screen to the screen in your home go, I think this fares a lot better than Gravity, uh, for instance, because yeah. obviously that was kind of contingent on the IMAX the embodiment experience this is more kind of straight this is kind of the first person shooter mentality at times there's a lot of a feeling of playing call of duty going about <laughs> i would recommend this i actually do recommend this to friends of mine who are like call of duty fans who've never seen it i'm like dude go you gotta watch 1917 it's a call of duty walkthrough that won oscars you know <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. alas one that I don't think ever stood any chance of winning Oscars. This is on uh, Freebie now as well. Um, one of the great comedies, and I think the second massive hit for the Farrelly brothers. 1998's There's Something About Mary, the big breakout role for Cameron Diaz. I mean, she, she arguably broke out with uh, The Mask. That was her sort of debut, and they tried her in a few things after that few years and didn't quite work out and then there's something about mary we got megastar cameron diaz between that you know charlie's angels like another year after that megastar cameron diaz was born and funnily enough the plot of there's something about mary if you're not familiar with it is she's mary and there really is something about her because all of these different guys with intersecting lives and storylines find themselves falling for the great Mary and start and come up with ingenious or increasingly disingenuous or decidedly, decidedly idiotic ways um, to usurp one another in the pursuit of just who gets to be with the great Mary. Um, remembered, I think, mostly for the hair gel gag. I think Ben Stiller yes. arguably broke large from this movie as well. I think Ben Stiller's, you know, next phase of his career, I think, began his megastar status, began yeah. with this. I think he, like Diaz, springboarded off of this into uh, the year 2000. He had Meet the Parents, she had Charlie's Angels. I think they both became the megastars that they are now from there. Um, but yeah, good movie, I think. There's something about Mary. It still holds up. I revisit it every few years. We forget that Lee Evans was a good time in this as well. Lee Evans with his crutches. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, just a performance that only Lee Evans and his very specific level, level of physicality <laughs> can deliver. Uh, right, I was very curious for, um, for my for my third free V pick though, if you'd seen this one. Another one from 1998. Is it 98, 99 maybe? Uh, it's, it's a team comedy called Can't Hardly Wait. Now, this is best remembered as the high school party movie. Have you seen this one, Zara? I haven't actually. When you sent it over, I was like, this doesn't even ring any bells. <laughs> right, okay, good news. You're going to love this. Because you love most of the cast of this movie already. So, 
back in yeah, back in like I think it was late 1998, some genius had the idea of let's just take that scene from every high school movie in which the high school kids go to that party and they all cross paths for like five minutes of the movie and then they get on with the story. Let's just do the movie in that party. So this is literally that high school party scene, but it's a 90 five to 100 minute long movie. It stars Ethan Embry as part of a massive ensemble cast. And bear in mind, part of the genius idea was what if we took all of these stars from all of these shows that everybody loves at the moment and we just get them all to do like a scene here and a scene there. And it'll be like our Pulp Fiction and it's all in one big house party. So you've got sequences. You've got an entire storyline in which Seth Green, who at this point is on Buffy the Vampire Slayer playing Oz, is this like weird, white kid who thinks he's a gangster rapper who just wants to lose his virginity. You've got Ethan Embry's the sort of hapless, unlucky in love guy who wants his shot with the girl of his dreams, who's Jennifer Love Hewitt, who's just been dumped that day by the the school jock quarterback who's played by, I forget who, Peter Facinelli at that point. And honestly, every single cast, so every, you name someone who was on a teen show or teen drama or CW show, anything like that at the time, yeah. they are in this movie. Melissa Joan Hart, check. Jerry O'Connell, check. Donald Faison, check. <laughs> uh, uh, who's the guy from Robot Chicken? Who, who's the one who's not Seth Green? Oh, it'll come to me in, in uh, Brecken Meyer. Brecken Meyer yeah. is in this as well. So there is just an absolute roster of massive, even like now massive talent who turn up in this. I'll give you a little sample. This is the sort of tone of it. it it's a great one. It's one of those all-timers that you'll just go, you'll find yourself going back on and revisiting over and over again. It's a vintage 1998 teen classic. Have a listen. This party tonight, Amanda suddenly being single, is fate. Fate has opened me a window. I've got to have sex tonight. It took me all day, but I narrowed it down to a list of ten very lucky finalists. You know what I'm saying? Do you think there'll be any girls there? Are you kidding me? People may even be having sex tonight. Can I pass away? I can kiss my It's one of those movies that my, my best friend and I fell in love with this on VHS when it was, like, fresh out, and it's just stuck with me in my life ever since. I show this to people like once a year with each one of those movies I wound up I wind up just like introducing people to and they always seem to love it um, on to uh, those are all on Freevee they, they were dropped yesterday you can uh, watch them from now Freevee on Prime Video uh, on to <laughs> one of the other big streamers and they've got a hell of a day coming up this next week because I don't know if you know this but uh, this next week is Disney Day yes. and to celebrate Disney Day a certain big Marvel movie is coming to Disney Plus, and uh, well, it is well big but somewhat divisive. I don't think it got glowing reviews. It <laughs> is the, the the fourth Thor movie, so Thor four, the Thorquel, if you will, um, <laughs> Thor: Love and Thunder, in which the God of Thunder finds himself reunited with his now dying ex girlfriend. Uh, Jane Foster, who is given a variety of other names in this, but one of them is Lady Thor, because she gets a hold of the hammer, and you know what? Have a listen. This is this is Lady Thor and Guy Thor. I'm not going to call him regular Thor, because that would imply that Lady <laughs> Thor is not regular. No, I'm not going in for that. If she's Lady Thor, he's he's Dude Thor. Yeah. He's Bro Thor. If she's Lady Thor, he's Douche Thor. Okay, anyway, this is them plotting to rescue some kids. They're in the Shadow Realm. How do you know? The atmosphere there has a darkness like no other. It's as if color fears to tread. It's unmistakable. Well, then, if it's color we need, 
Let's bring the rainbow. Bring the rainbow is that catchphrase or something? She's only been a Thor for a minute. I mean, saving lives she's quite good at, but the rest of it she needs work. How many catchphrases have there been? A lot. Yep. Jump the gun. But hang on. He moves through shadows and he's going to the shadow realm. It seems like that's where he's going to be the most powerful. You're right. We can't just go marching in there. It could be a trap. Are you thinking what I think you're thinking? I'm thinking it. What are we thinking? Thinking what? I'm thinking it too. Omnipotency. For Love and Thunder on Disney Plus from Thursday. Do you know it's two thirds of a great movie there? It's just a shame the other third has been replaced by outtakes for some reason. But uh, anyway, uh, another movie that's dropping that day, and I, I, I think I'm looking forward to this one. We we were talking about this just yesterday. I think. Yeah. Pinocchio is upon us. Are you excited about this one? I am actually. We've got well, what we've got here. We've got Tom Hanks as Geppetto. We've got. Cynthia Erivo in there as well. We've got uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it looks quite good fun. But you know what? I keep getting mixed up because Netflix have got a, a Pinocchio film coming as well. So I keep getting the two mixed up. Haven't they got the... Isn't Netflix doing the Del Toro Pinocchio? That's isn't, right, Haven't yes. they got Guillermo Del Toro as Pinocchio? So you're like, that's fair enough. No one's confusing a Guillermo Del Toro one with a... Dis- I think we're okay there. Alas, that is all we have time for this week. But next week looks promising. So I'm hoping, amongst hope, that Netflix are actually issuing screeners for Blonde. Because if they are, it means we can review it for next week. I'm very excited yeah. about Blonde. Anna Diarmas is playing Marilyn Monroe. Pour that in me. Oh, my God, I'm so up for that. <laughs> um, however, other films out, and we will be covering at least three of these. Um, Both Sides of the Blade is out. New movie with uh, Juliette Binoche. See How They Run is out next week. Is that Saoirse Ronan and Sam Rock? Well, yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, we've got the long await. This feels like it's been coming forever. David Cronenberg's yeah. Crimes of the Future is next week, and one that you've seen, I haven't. I'm going to see on Tuesday, and I'm very bloody excited about is Bodies, <laughs> Bodies, Bodies. So, you've got all those to look forward to next week and more. In the meanwhile, this has been Off Screen. I've been Van Connor, I've been Zara Phelan, and we shall return. Mm-hmm.